Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're listening to The Sherlock's Podcast, your guide to a more stylish life. No, I've often that. thought that I don't yeah. think I could be with like a professional sports no, person. I absolutely hate it. Not for me. Unless it, <laughs> unless it was a wag, in which case you get to hang out yeah. with a wag. Oh yeah, that's, <laughs> that's quite fun. Welcome to Sherlock's Team Podcast with me, Heather Steele. Today I'm joined by Sherry Andrew, Harriet Russell and Patricia O'Dwyer. How are you guys? Yeah, good, thank you. Good, how are you, Heather? Yeah, very well, thank you. Patricia, I'm going straight in for the kill. (laughs) Um, You got married a couple of weeks ago. Congratulations. (laughs) Do you know, it's so weird. I was on a podcast with Patricia right at the beginning of the year and we were talking about like wedding countdown. I can't believe it's already... And it felt so far away. I know. And now it's gone. Oh, how was it all? <laughs> Tell us all. It was it was incredible. It was just amazing. I can't believe it's over. But it was, I think I was just saying to one of you as we came in, you like spend so much time getting stressed about it. And like I did work myself up quite a bit. Um, and we were like, I just really hope it's worth it. Like really hope it's worth the money. Really hope it's worth yeah. the stress. And it was worth it. Amazing. It was amazing. Like it was just everything I dreamt of. You more. look beautiful. Oh, I mean, you, you always were going to, but yeah, I loved your dress. It was I'm so curious to, to know if people like expected the dress or not. Mm-hmm. I said to my husband, I said uh, after like after the wedding, I was like, is this what you thought? And he was like, I didn't really think about it. But I think if I had thought about it, I probably should have guessed a big sleeve. And Aww. I was like, yeah. <laughs> I remember we Charlotte asking you at the beginning of the year how much of the looks were like sorted. And you were very like, oh, I don't know. Like, <laughs> um, I haven't really thought about it. <laughs> how much had you thought about it? Yeah, most of yeah. it. <laughs> Although the evening look. Um, Which was also gorgeous. The, the strap. Oh, the strap with the beat. Oh, well, God, so yeah, so that nice. was kind of like an in-between. Yeah. So that was underneath. And then it had like the overlay that I wore for the church. And yeah. then I took that off for the meal. And then I had a third look which I haven't really posted that much yeah. I need to share it which was like a quite like 60s-esque mini oh, with long fun. sleeves also from the own studio amazing and that bit was quite last last minute yeah. like maybe eight weeks before mm-hmm. and okay. with the own studio did you know sort of soon after you got engaged that that was the sort of route you were going to go down <laughs> yeah I'm laughing because I knew before like <laughs> I, I feel like yeah, no I'm so did you know after you got engaged? yeah <laughs> I think there were a couple of things I knew before I even had the ring and one of them was the own studio although I thought it was a different dress so okay. they have Ooh. one that's like very it's like a sort of like a wrap long sleeve really gorgeous I think if I had more of like a city wedding mm-hmm. maybe and but when I went to try it on I was like yeah it's a dress it's amazing um and then I was like oh, I'll try on some others just to try them and went away and every time I thought of the day I saw myself in the one I wore oh, so I was like wow. oh, it's meant to be that's <laughs> they do say don't they to just keep trying loads of different things even if they think it's really not your vibe because yeah. often that can end up being the one that you're like oh actually yeah I did actually I did a national wedding show thing with Charlotte about mm-hmm. the dress and um we spoke about how like I did like a fake trial because <laughs> I always knew it was going to be the wedding the own studio sorry um but I only wanted my sister to see the dress oh, I so I had see. to do like a whole fake dress try on with like my mum and my mother oh. <laughs> and I like was 100% 
vindicated in doing it because everything I put on, honestly, like awful dresses. They did, were like, did they so know? Beautiful. Sorry, did they <laughs> no, know? Oh. No, I wanted them to have the experience, yeah, but I didn't oh, want them to see yeah. the dress. That's very um, sweet. So everyone was like, oh my God, it's so gorgeous. And then I'd look at my sister and she'd be like, not one. <laughs> Don't worry. Me going to be honest in that yeah. situation. Exactly. Like a yeah. sister. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Oh. Uh, so where was it? It was in Herefordshire, um, a venue called the uh, called Brinsop Court. Um, Herefordshire is where my husband's from. Oh, yeah. So, and he's like born and bred. His whole family live there. He's got four grandparents, so it made sense. Whereas I'm a bit of a nomad. Um, and it was gorgeous, and the weather held out, oh, and brilliant. Yeah, it was lovely. So we had a, our wedding was like we got married in a church, and then had the reception and everything at Brentford. And how much did you spend time-wise choosing outfits for your daughter? Um, that again was really last minute. I ordered something that I thought was the one, and then like I mean, I wouldn't recommend planning a wedding with a one-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of role did she have in the day in the end? Well, she was a flower girl. We had a rehearsal a couple of nights before, and she like walked down the aisle really well, and it was gorgeous. And then on the day, she absolutely kicked off. Yeah. <laughs> I think I've only ever seen one little flower girl actually do do the job. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. So she was carried down by my oh. sister. She still went like with everyone, so it was very cute. Um, And then she was in the church the whole time, but she was. They had like a. It was actually quite good. They had a little sort of like reading corner at the back. Oh yeah, Mm -hmm. I've seen those. Um, So every so often you could like hear her squeak, and we were like. (laughs) (laughs) But um, no, she was very cute. And then she came to the drinks, and then she went off. And we could enjoy the evening. Oh, mm-hmm. Amazing. Nice. Yeah. How was the next day and everything? Did you do anything? We did that? a barbecue the next oh, day. Oh, nice. So, and I'm really glad we did. It was actually sort of like a three-day thing. So yeah. we had a rehearsal dinner on the Friday night for like uh, family, immediate family and bridal party, which was really nice. And I made a speech that night. Oh, great. And my oh, father-in-law did. That's a good idea, actually. Because mm. I know lots of brides like to make speeches now. Great idea. But yeah, it, if you're a bit takes a little bit of the pressure off. Yeah, yeah, if you're a bit worried about doing it in front of everybody, that's actually a really nice compromise. 100%. So I, like, obviously love speaking. <laughs> <laughs> but I get quite emotional when mm, it's emotional. Mm, and I was mm. like, I just don't know if I want to be, like, blubbering yeah. in front of almost 150 yeah. people. So decided to do it the night before, and I'm really glad. It was, like, really special. There was about 30 of us that oh, night. that's really nice. And also, like, as much as I love a speech, it can get really long. That's a really yeah. good point. So we had, my, my, we had, like, the traditional, my dad my husband and the best man on the day. And I think if we'd had me, it, it just, it's, like, a little bit... It's yeah. nice, but it's a bit long. Yeah, mm, agree, agree. <laughs> so I did that the night before, and then we had the day of, um, and then on the Sunday we had a barbecue, which was really nice as well, because it meant we could like speak to people properly. Yeah, um, Because the day is a bit, like I, I think I sort of said hi to everybody, but all my conversations were like, so nice to see you, really sorry I've got to keep yeah. moving. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you hear so that a lot. The Sunday was a lot more relaxed, which was nice. Great. So any other tips for future brides, people who are planning I was actually thinking about this on my way in, so I had a feeling we might be having this conversation. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Whether you like it or not. (laughs) Well, I like like it. Um, There was a few things that we did differently, maybe not differently, but that were special for us. Um, One of them is we had a soul choir in the church. Nice. Which was really nice. And we had, like, non-traditional songs. Mm -hmm. So I walked into Godspeed by Frank Ocean. Nice. (gasps) And then um, while we were signing the register, we had Day One by Hon, 
which is like our song. And we actually did our song then instead of the first dance. Oh, that's mm-hmm. nice. Um, and then this will be an everlasting love to walk out. So it was kind of like, it felt like it really set the scene of yeah. the day. It was like a bit more, I don't know, a bit, a bit less formal, a bit more jubilant. It was I like, say, yeah, more that. joyful, yeah. surely, especially exactly. walking out to that. Yes, it was very fun. So that's one thing. Yeah. Um, obviously the speech the night before was really nice. Um, another thing which our priest suggested and I love it and I think everybody should do it if getting married in a church is I was like what happens when you walk out and then I'm like they walk out and then they walk out again for the confetti so like where do people go and he was like yeah so you walk out and then you come around the back and like hide in the kitchen (laughs) and he said making a coffee (laughs) what we did um as he suggested was we actually before the day before we went and put a little bottle of champagne in the kitchen so we just had like a little sort of five ten minutes because it takes ages for people to get out yeah just the two of us being like we just got married. Yeah. Oh, that's um, such a nice really idea. Nice. Really nice. Yeah. Little secret yeah. toast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it was just kind of like the calm before the storm a bit. Yeah. <laughs> but everyone says as well, don't they? Or lots of people say when they're giving advice that to try and find those five, ten minutes to actually yeah. spend time. So you're not both sort of separately all over the yeah. shop and not together. So that's actually a really good way of doing it, like you say, before yeah. the craziness Yeah, it's like in. not very glamorous. Yeah. You are literally in like a church kitchen. Yeah, <laughs> I like it. But it really <laughs> and also because you've not seen each other like mm. all day. Well, mm. we did it that way. We hadn't seen each other since yeah. the night before. Um, so yeah, it's really Oh, nice. I love that. That's yeah. brilliant. And did you have a mini moon or anything like we that? We didn't. Again, I think because of Ossley life like hurtled back to reality quite quickly yeah <laughs> um but we stayed in Herefordshire for a couple of days afterwards That's and nice. we actually went to Hay in Wales oh, nice. oh I love um, Hay yeah, so and it's nice. like 40 minutes from yeah. Wales so we went there for the day on the Monday um and just kind of like had some downtime for the three nice. of us and my sister actually and her boyfriend were still around um, and then now I was just saying to Sherry as you walked in, we're just, I'm just like, I keep just booking date nights and stuff to be like, such a good idea. Cause Very then you're going to do a honeymoon later down the line. Yes. Is that the we're going to do a honeymoon either towards the end of this year or beginning of next year. Logistics of, um, not taking Ottilie needs some consideration, <laughs> of course. but we actually did. And I think I said this last time we were on the podcast instead of a registry because we've lived together a long time and yeah. we don't really need stuff. Um, we did donations to a charity and contributions to a honeymoon if people wanted to. Yeah, um, So now I, I, like, I really want to book it as well because, mm. you know, people yeah. want to know. Sherry, you've been away mm. recently. I have. Jet setting. I just got back <laughs> yesterday. I went to Roskilde Festival in Denmark. How was it? I've always wanted to go to Roskilde. Oh, really? Honestly, Heather, so good. I cannot recommend it enough. I was so sad when all my friends went to Glastonbury and we didn't mm. get tickets. I was like, oh. And then we went the next week. So, yeah, it was so fun. It's one of the biggest um, non-profit festivals in Northern Europe. And I think it's got like half the amount of people of Glastonbury. So you still get that really fun community vibe. But it's like on a much smaller scale. But the acts are still just as good. So the headliners this year were Lizzo, Kendrick Lamar, oh um, Burner Boy, Blur, Rosalia, Rima as well was there. So it was such a good mix of like lots of different genres mm. and artists. Oh. And it was just so fun. Like we were there being like, oh my God, I want to come back every year. Mm. Such a feel good weekend. Amazing. Is it one of those where it's like you stay in the city and then just go out for the day or were you sort of camping yes. there? So we camped, yeah. which I haven't camped at a festival since I was like 17. <laughs> 
So I was like, oh, this is going to be an experience. And what are the logistics? Because obviously you're in a foreign country. So you, yeah. you take all your camping equipment. No. So, with you? so no. I think a lot of people go from overseas. They have a, a scheme where you can rent all your stuff there. Oh, that's so cool. Which is so good. That's Arriving really good. and your tent is already like erected. Oh, yes. And oh, yeah, your love. sleeping bag, everything's done for you. I've paid to do that in the past. I think the last festivals where I camped a good five, six years ago now, I realised that actually, yeah. yeah, you could pay and just arrive and it's mm. good to go. Yeah. Game changer. It, honestly, such a game changer. And not having to like take it down or mm. like, it can be quite wasteful. A lot of people throw their tents away, yeah. but all of these get reused every single mm. year. So it's very sustainable. Um, so yeah, all of that stuff is catered for. So all you need to bring is like all your stuff. I didn't really bring any nice clothes with me. I was like, I was gonna wear t-shirts, shorts, yeah. and like really old trainers, which yeah. was good because it rained quite a lot. But did it? it? Was still, <laughs> yeah, it was. It was one day was really sunny. The next day was rainy. The next day was really humid. It was a whole mix. So I like, bought stuff for <laughs> yeah every eventuality. Um, but yeah, I cannot recommend it enough. Um, the the Danish crowds, let me tell you, they're so chill, so nice. Not a fight in sight. I, know, like, I Honestly, compared to like some UK festivals, which can get quite rowdy. Honestly, it's, why, it's why I stopped going to a lot of them. I think the last one I went to was like Lovebox in like 2019, mm. I guess. Oh uh, yeah. Um, mainly because I understood that that was going to be quite a young festival, but Childish Gambino was headlining mm, and he, uh, This Is America had sort of just come out, so I was very keen to go and see him. But what's it called when those kids in the crowd who are usually on MDMA or something? It's like mosh. Like, mosh. no, it's not moshing. They do this thing where they like try and clear an area yeah. by like literally like body slamming people. Oh, uh, yeah, mm. that is kind of a mosh yeah. circle, to be honest. Yeah. yeah. Like, I, I'm sure it had a name that my friend at the time told me because I was just like, what is this kid doing? Yeah, yeah not, My not friend fun. at the time who was like six foot three, she literally just got this kid by like scruff of the neck and like pulled him back and was like, stop it. <laughs> and I was You're like, we're definitely the people. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I hate that. So nice to know the crowds yeah. were chill. It was so chill to the point where we were like, everyone here is so calm. Like it was just such a nice vibe and it was a real mix of crowds. So lots of like younger people. Yeah. And then um, we were watching Bernard Boy and there was a woman in front of me. I honestly think she was about 85. Oh, and she was just it. like dancing oh, at the front. Awesome. And yeah. everyone was just like having the best time with each other. And people were really friendly. Like yeah. lots of people were like, oh, you're from the UK. Like, that's so cool you're here. So yeah, everyone was so friendly. It's just a great vibe all around. Yeah. So nice. Because that is, I'm the same, kind of like, even watching Glastonbury, it does, like, I am still like, I think I do want to go at some point, but when I see the crowd, it, like, makes my yeah. eyes tight. Mm. Yeah, it's quite anxiety-inducing. Yeah. You, yeah, it's quite hard to escape, but I can't Glastonbury, well. I am told, though, you've been, Heather, haven't you? No, I have. Oh. I've been to the site to interview Michael Evis, but I haven't oh, cool. actually been Ooh. to the festival. I'm proper. told that it's quite, again, like, a range of ages, like, yeah. and people yeah. take their mm-hmm. kids and mm, stuff, yeah. like, it's all, like, quite old hippies, and, like, yeah. so I'm gonna say that you probably have quite a good bet of, like, yeah, if you pick your say spot me, carefully, so. you might not be with the rowdy teenagers. That's mm. true. I just I said it the other week. I just think it's too big. Like yes. I, I, yeah, I get yeah, like I, I stressed because so. I want to see everyone. And yeah. when you've got to walk sort of two yeah. hours between stages, it would just stressed me out. Yeah, my friend said it. that she, I mean, she's religious. She goes every time it's on and she camps. And she says it can take like an hour and a half just yeah. to walk from your tent yeah, to that's the a lot of first walking. stage. I went on a press trip on Friday and a couple of people had been. Like you show, it feels like everyone I know has been this year. I don't know why, I feel like it's a post Penny D, like, yeah, let's get back out and live. But they they said, I've heard somebody else say they were like averaging 40,000 steps a day. That's a lot. That's a lot. I just think, like, we watched a lot of it, obviously, Mm. on TV. And I just think there's like sort of a point in the crowd where I'm like, 
surely if I was uh, if I was there, I'd prefer to be here. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I don't yeah. know though, people like to, I totally <laughs> yeah. agree with you and I see where you're coming from. But every time I ask someone who has had that experience yeah. basically where they're like 50,000 yeah, rows yeah. back, they're like, no, it's amazing. Yeah, I, I guess you've still got mm-hmm. the energy. Yeah, you? you're with yeah. like-minded people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm saying this, yeah. I'm still like, I'll be on there next yeah. year. Yeah. <laughs> but sometimes you just want to sit down. It, yeah. Like, oh, I wish uh, I had a chair right yeah. now. I, know, I, don't, I don't know if I have the stamina anymore. <laughs> one day festivals, that's where it's oh, like. If you're worried. Love a one in day in London. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely secret. Home to yeah. I there was such go. a field day enthusiast. Oh, me too. Yes, I yeah, know. I loved, I used yeah. to go every year. Harriet, have you been up to anything much recently? I actually just had like the calmest anything? weekend for the first time in like nice. eight weeks. And <laughs> it was so nice. I was just in my garden, doing my veg bed, like loving nice. life. It was really nice. <laughs> but I did last night, I did binge Colin from accounts because I had a dinner party on Saturday and my friends were telling me how like cult basically yeah. it's become it's not new though from what no. I understand so I haven't watched it yet I think it landed on is it on BBC or Channel it's on 4 iPlayer, yeah yeah it landed quite recently I'd say maybe like two months ago but it's from it's Australian isn't it it's Australian um the couple who play the main couple are actually married in yeah. real life um and he's quite a bit older than her and that definitely plays into the storyline to give you kind of like a potted premise i was gonna say because i think yeah I've been what is this yeah. oh, <laughs> i feel like everyone's even my parents yeah. have watched it like a month or so ago it's like one of those things that people it. are slowly sort of yeah, yeah. Discovering. we read about it somewhere in, in a newspaper and it called it like this hidden gem or something yeah and i feel like that is kind of the vibe but basically these two people are strangers and they meet one morning because of a slight sort of meet cute situation where um, the bloke, whose name is Gordon in the show, is driving and hits a dog. And he slightly blames the woman, whose name is Ashley, for causing the accident. So it's like, did he cause it because he did the running over or did she cause it because she sort of distracted him? So they're sort of brought together by this fate and this dog is badly injured to the point he does survive um but he needs a twelve thousand dollar operation and he has to be put on one of those little like stirrup wheels because his back legs you know basically becomes paralyzed bless him it's a spinal injury and um (laughs) it's extremely funny Um, and they basically can't find the owners the vets do everything they can but he's not chipped and, and they don't know where to return him so between them, these two people decide that they're going to have to look after this dog because they can't bear the thought of, like, having been responsible for the accident. There's an, there's a point at which, like, do we put him down? No, we can't live with ourselves today. Can't be the day that I killed a dog, etc. Yeah. Um, and they name the dog because they think he looks like a certain person that they know. They call him Colin from accounts. Oh, I see. Because oh. someone uh, I was speaking to about it the other day, they said it's a little bit like catastrophe, which it's I absolutely so love. Catastrophe playbook. Yeah, I'm oh, almost okay. slightly inclined to dislike it because Interesting. of that. It feels like a bit of a copy, but then I, in the same breath, I'm sort of like why would these two Australian comedians necessarily be that aware of catastrophe? Yeah, yeah. Maybe they weren't. But yeah, it's definitely got vibes of like a catastrophe happens and it brings these two people together. Until this person said that, I, I thought it was like going to be like The Office. Yeah. yeah. Office. <laughs> and now I'm like, oh, it's a dog. Okay. I had um, like IT crowd or something. Yeah. Like, really oh, in I my love head. IT mm, crowd I know. as well. <laughs> but no, it's, it, that's got oh, absolutely nothing oh, to funny. do with it. So it is a all. sort of relationship-ish yeah, drama. and Ashley is 29 and Gordon is, I think he's supposed to be about 43. Yeah. And it's very sort of unlikely pairing, but, you know, basically do they make a go of it? And it's quite nice, actually, because the whole, like, go. there are eight episodes there, half an hour each in the first series. They're all on iPlayer. So it's not a massive investment. Mm. And I've, without spoiling anything, 
they they make moves in this relationship like quite quickly you're not right. waiting for episode eight for them to be like will they won't well, they yeah. it's like no, no no they will but then they kind of won't and then they try and will again right. and it's like it's, there's more to get invested in there's more of a kind of like meaty story than sometimes comes up. yeah it sounds good doesn't that it yeah good what did you end up watching instead of Catastrophe then? Well, I feel like, you know, talking about living under a rock, we just started watching Ted Lasso. <laughs> got to, well, you've got to watch it at some stage. I know. Might as well I, be we now. kind of, last time we came on, we spoke about Yellowstone. We and did. then obviously Succession. We also yeah. love a cooking show, so we got quite distracted by MasterChef. Yeah, And then we done. were like <laughs> in a void of mm. what, what we watch. And mm-hmm. I literally couldn't think of anything. And then I... My husband always makes fun of me because I'm always like, everybody says, like, everybody says this is really good. Everybody's watching. He's like, is everybody? Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, everybody said Ted Lasso is amazing. And literally, first episode, as I think you guys have all watched it, haven't you? Yeah. And uh, we were both like, oh my gosh, yeah, we love it. We <laughs> Harry is like, yeah. <laughs> just wait for a series. Well, <laughs> my feelings around the office have yeah. been vocalized. Yeah. And I will pref, you know, like, I'll say, not everyone agrees with me. So fair enough i thought seasons one and two were great i thought season three was some of the worst television i've ever seen i didn't you know what watch though? it we were only what like seven episodes in and i'm feeling quite stressed about how good it is because yeah. i'm like this is not sustainable yeah well <laughs> the other way is down yeah, yeah. yeah. And i just feel like especially with american shows they just don't know when to quit like yeah, yeah. So i do think is an anomaly yeah but we also loved billions and oh, that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Aren't they like season it, seven it. now? Oh my gosh. I just, we couldn't. No. In the end. I was like, it was like that with Homeland. Stop. I absolutely was obsessed mm. for the oh first yes. couple of series. Then it was quite crap for a couple of series, but then it ended on a high. Yeah, but again, they high. probably mm. could have done four fantastic yeah. mm. it's like succession, series. Right? Yeah. You can tell that it's like by British writers because I feel like, mm. I feel like Brits kind of no way to call those. it. Yeah, <laughs> it's like more of like an artwork, whereas yeah. like I yeah. feel like in America it's just money. Yeah, it's yeah. so, and it's you're like so how right. How far can we push it to get more yeah. money? Yeah, mm. well, well, and Yellow Sony is guilty of that. Like, how can we push the IP? What spin-offs can we do? <laughs> yeah, they're like, we won't go on forever, but we will create seven different spin-offs. <laughs> but some people are saying that about Ted Lasso, because they're already sort of, I'm not giving anything away, but they're like sort of already teasing certain things about potential spin-offs or other series, even though Dreadful. they've said it's the end, so... Yes. I mean, I th- easily one of the easiest mistakes they made in the last season was going from 20 minute episodes to 45. Yes, I, I, I again, oh, I didn't watch it, but lots, it's a massive jump. Lots I mean, of yeah. critics were like, it's, it's gone so from being a punchy yeah. comedy series to it's like now a so dragged out. out. Yeah. Mm. Heather, have you been watching anything good? Or the reading? only thing I've been watching recently, which it's like all of these sports documentaries i'm always like oh do we are we watching that okay we're watching that when my boyfriend puts it on and then i end up obsessed and absolutely loving it but we watched um the tour de france unchained netflix documentary Mm. um which i think it came out about three weeks ago and it's like sort of drive to survive and all those other ones that netflix has done uh, where it followed the whole tour de france last year but it's just so cleverly done it's one Mm. of those like it just grips you in where I don't know anything about cycling. I, I don't say, know many yeah. of the main players. I've seen it. My boyfriend does tend to watch it every year. So I've kind of seen a few bits on TV, but just don't really understand how it works. I've already, you know, the only thing I know is like what the Peloton is. And I'm like, cool. Um, <laughs> but no, it's one of those where you just learn about the main players so quickly and their individual struggles and how different stages of the race happen and what what's happened in previous series. Um, and yeah, it all sort of like comes together and it actually ends up being like super exciting. Oh, so wow. I would heartily recommend each episode. It's not sort of chronological, which I quite liked. So mm. it wasn't like 
right, this is stage one and then ends on the Champs-Élysées or anything like that. It was all focusing on different rivalries, different teams, different stages of the race. But what I loved about it is that even within those individual sort of rivalries, it never showed the actual outcome of those stages. So then it could later dip into a different thing going backwards and you weren't, it hadn't spoiled what happened, if that makes sense. It kind of reminds mm. me of The Last Dance, how that's oh, not God, really I loved linear. That. Gosh, yeah. so and good. I loved that they would like hint at this one thing yeah. and then like three episodes later start to refer back yeah. to that. Exactly, because yeah. it could so easily just be like, here's how it all played out sort of stage by stage. But no, it's very, very effective. It's only, I think it's seven or eight episodes. But yeah, again. Because each one an hour. Yeah, exactly. I honestly would really recommend it. I like Drive to Survive and Formula One. I just got like super hooked into it. And how much does it delve into like the controversies behind Tour de France and cycling in general? It doesn't really focus on doping too much because they like to think that's not really part of the sport anymore. But weirdly, Mm -hmm. one of the sort of directors of one of the cycling teams was a proper doper back in the day and he speaks about it really sort of openly about why he then wanted to start his own cycling team because he basically wanted to sort of atone for Mm, what was happening in cycling Mm -hmm. when he was in it so that was really interesting and again like Drive to Survive it's not just the cyclists it's like these bosses who are all you know brilliant madcap and everything they've all got their own styles Mm. their own sort of hopes and dreams resting on their riders and I mean I have got just nothing but the hugest respect for those cyclists because you see some of the, like, people die doing it. Mm. Like, they're literally just, I think one of the guys, one of the bosses explained, like, oh, it'd be like doing, like, 120 miles an hour wearing a piece of, you know, paper because they just don't (laughs) have any protection. They've got their helmet. Crashes always do look really nasty. Yeah, wearing the thinnest lycra going. And it's, like, some of the perspectives they have, like, when you see them going down these mountains, these wacky corners, they're doing, like, 140 miles Mm. an hour. It is, like... pretty dangerous. Yeah, Mm. and they do speak quite openly about the fact that because they have to be super slim and, Mm. yeah, they do have to be like super regimented with what they eat especially in the lead up to like races mm-hmm. and I can yeah. remember Bradley Wiggins wife around the time of the 2012 mm. Olympics and stuff and he was doing so well and obviously they're not married anymore mm. but shit I can remember they did like a documentary where they sort of followed him at home yeah um and his training regime's obviously like insane yeah and I can remember they asked her in like a VT like what you know what's Bradley like and she said what do you mean Bradley my husband or Bradley Wiggins, the cyclist, because oh, Bradley Wiggins, the cyclist, is a bit of an arsehole. Really? Yeah. yeah. And I remember thinking, mm. like, that must come from this having to be so regimented. Yeah. Like, no, can't go with the family to this thing this weekend. Yeah. Can't go with you here. Can't help with the school run. Can't do anything. Oh, no, I've no, often that. thought that I don't yeah. think I could be with, like, a professional sports no, person. I'd absolutely hate it. Not for me. Unless, <laughs> unless it was a wag, in which case you get to hang out yeah. with a wag. Oh, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, that's fun. But yeah. it's just, I think it's the combination of the training and all of that but also then the like like I couldn't deal with losses I think yeah. I'm just I would find that oh so God, stressful yeah yeah and it, it does play a lot into that you see some people family members like Green Thomas who's one of our great cycling hopes and he obviously has won the Tour de France before but you see his home life a bit and his wife and she's you know there's one stage where it looks like he could win and then she's sort of you know speaking about not about him being dreadful when he's lost or anything but just like she's just obviously hoping yeah. so hard that mm. he wins because an injury just be too like i remember that, our mm. icon of life olivia atwood oh yeah saying <laughs> that she found it really hard because bradley dak her now husband but longtime boyfriend 
has had quite a few injuries in his career. Yeah. Then, yeah, I feel like he's always got injuries. These clubs yeah. keep signing him and then he's out for like oh, six no. months. Yeah. They obviously have to keep paying them a salary. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, so yeah, it's a bit of a bummer. And she gets on her excellent reality show. Mm. I would highly recommend if no one's watching <laughs> it. Um, Sherry and I devoured it, didn't we? Yep. So yeah, I yeah, there's no wrong. No, anything yeah, that, I'm agreed. Like, give, me, no, no, give me more, give me more. Um, but yeah, you see it like firsthand on that show, like how stressed she gets over the yeah. fact that like, you know, surgeries aren't successful or mm. like she'll be watching a match and he goes down and she's like, fuck, what now? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. tough life. Yeah, definitely. But no, would heartily recommend, again, even mm-hmm. if you don't care about cycling, it's one you can get absorbed in. Mm-hmm. Oh, I felt like quickly. that about Drive to Survive. So. Yeah, mm. exactly. Mm. There's Ooh. also the tennis one, which I haven't seen. Is that I... called Full Swing or is that the golf Break one? Breakpoint, Break yeah. yeah. I... yeah. Ooh, it's really difficult for me to give like an impartial opinion because and this sounds really wanky but I know quite a lot about tennis I'm a big Mm. fan Um, and I felt like for someone who knows a lot of stuff about it there wasn't that much in it that I knew and obviously they show a lot of match footage and I've seen those most of those matches so I kind of know how it turns out so the Mm. tension's kind of lost I was kind of interested because obviously Wimbledon starts this week and I was a bit like oh maybe I should just watch it all just to kind of get Mm -hmm. back up to speed yeah if you don't know a lot like I'm sure you would take much more away from it so apart from Harriet because you will be watching Wimbledon (laughs) will either of you be watching that your thing yeah i'm like or going not i would love to go but i will probably watch it i just like yeah. i love the vibes yeah Me too. i'm so, it's like, so fun. Yeah. i'm like probably the opposite of you in terms of like no nothing love the vibes just no, like so exactly no, right. that's yeah. what i love about it it's just such a like sword and i grew up yeah. playing tennis oh, and my dad really loves cool. watching tennis so it's always sort of been around i've like mm-hmm. weirdly never sort of got into it mm-hmm. but i just love yeah, me too. Yeah. It's so fun. I think it's you used the... to be a, a ball girl. I was Sarah. back oh, in the day. I know, we yeah. mentioned it every year, but yeah, it's still yeah. a fun fact I love about you. Is that because you lived locally? Is that a thing? Well, well, so if you're, no, so the actual proper ball girls and ball boys get chosen from like the local schools yeah. and they're like children. But if you work at the qualifying tournament, which is in Roehampton, they just use basically like students who want a summer job which is so fun. So you do that for a week and then you then get to work at the tournament in like hospitality or could be cleaning or whatever. Oh, that's so cool. That was so fun. So I did that for like six years when Mm. I was like, at school and uni, which is so, I have so many good memories and good friends from there. I always see them and I'm like, oh, I wish I was here. (laughs) <laughs> oh it's so fun but it's so funny because you get to know like, all like the backs kind of like the behind the scenes and like if you so i was on the hospitality team so you get basically access to everywhere apart from like the players dressing rooms and stuff like that <laughs> so often we'd go into like the royal kitchen and they just give us like loads of food oh. so now going as not someone who works i'm like damn i can't go into my back passages yeah. exactly but yeah such a fun such a fun day out did you ever well. get like so nice. hints about who was a diva and who was nice and Oh yeah, definitely. So um, the worst <laughs> was oh some of the lower down players, yeah, all of like the top people. Me. Like um, Djokovic was, I actually tripped him up with a Hoover once, and he was <laughs> so lovely. Oh, oh good. Um, I was like, I'm so, I was, I'm so did sorry. Didn't, yeah. yeah, honestly, didn't realize who it was, and I was like, oh my god, fuck, I'm about to get fired. <laughs> um, and he was really nice, oh. even though he's had a somewhat re- uh, questionable reputation yeah. over the years. Yeah. Um, but yeah, some of the lower down players, because I guess like if you get knocked out really early, then that's, it's a lot of money at stake. Yeah, they yeah. get really frustrated. Yeah. They can be really rude to like mm. ball girls and ball boys. Yeah. I had someone throw a towel at me with blood on before. Oh. Yeah, just Actually, like lots of stuff like that happens. Yeah. You kind of have to stand there and take it. Mm. I just feel um, like it's one of those, you know, that saying that I'm gonna butcher about like, be nice on the way up. Yeah. So. yeah. Mm. You know the so one. True. I know the one, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just feel like you'd, you'd kind of expect, especially for that type of sport. Mm-hmm. 
I find it really upsetting to think that people aren't just lovely. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. Well, I guess like for them, it's that's it's their, their life. Their, their yeah. life is yeah. a career. It's a livelihood, so they take it so seriously. And it's such, an, it's such an expensive yeah. job to do. Yeah. That sounds like a weird thing to say, but like every time you hear about like, oh, so and so's got like a loser's paycheck for forty three grand, and you think, God, that's more than I make in a year. It's like, yeah, mm. but they have to pay their agent, it their costs. physio, their coach, yeah. all their travel yeah, expenses. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, I bet what comes, and you see like on Wikipedia or whatever, like six million in prize money over the course of a I don't know five year career mm. anything yeah I bet they saw like very little oh uh, yeah it's true yeah. it's true yeah. it's the sponsorships so like all sports things sponsorships at the end yeah mm-hmm. right anyway lots of telly chat um you've got some features articles we we're going to discuss um the first one is this very very long read in the guardian from a makeup artist and i thought it was interesting because it's not the sort of coverage we would normally do but essentially in it she was talking about what her clients want her to achieve what she does achieve for them, the biggest trends, etc. Um, and the first sort of instance she talks about is revenge makeup, apparently is like a big thing that her clients want. So they'll come in and they'll Ooh. say, I have to go to my ex's wedding. Or like, I'm going to this festival and he's gonna be there. Or I'm gonna see my mother-in-law who I've not spoken to for like four years. And I need to look amazing because otherwise she'll nitpick at me or whatever. And so she says, you know, that's the kind of makeup that she kind of is like, an expert in so she says it here it's smooth poreless glint poreless skin glowing highlights subtle contour thick brows fluffy lashes soft glossy lips try to balance and correct less desirable eye shapes give them more flattering foreheads and the illusion of an oval face take a fine stiff makeup brush and blot out minor wrinkles and it's just it goes into like such intricate detail about like how she translates every desire from her client into what she actually does so it just got me thinking a bit about like because the other thing she really goes into as well is how like people's style changes over yeah. time so she'll be doing like red lips and eyeliner on someone for years and then they'll just turn around and be like i want no makeup makeup mm-hmm. and it's like mm-hmm. that's that is literally going to change your personality almost because it's going to change so much about how people perceive you yeah so i was thinking about like who's going to be on this podcast and like I was thinking, right, so Heather's like very often got like a dark eye on and she's very often got like a red lip. I wonder how long she's worn that for and like whether she'd ever switch it up. Mm. I was thinking about Sherry and I was like, Sherry's thing is skin, like skin and brows. (laughs) The brows. Skin and brows. brows. I'll take it. (laughs) And I used to wear so much more makeup than I do now. Um, So yeah, I thought we could chat about it. Yeah fascinating i love the idea of revenge makeup because you often hear about like the revenge dress yeah yeah or like the outfit but makeup i love that i know what a good idea i'm down for that i would definitely do that if i was in a similar situation do you do the same thing every morning or do you switch up because i think heather you Mm. although you have like signatures like eyeliner or whatever very often you'll wear like a different color eyeshadow each day or like yeah 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 yeah. (laughs) (laughs) i think that just i'm only i'm wearing this pink um Victoria Beckham eyeshadow. It's one of those sort of like pencils. Yeah, I love those. It looks so Only nice. wearing it because I got given it by Becky kindly. I like <laughs> grabbed it out of a box of stuff we could have. Didn't realize it was pink when I grabbed it. But yeah, I was just like, oh well, pink and brown, that kind of goes. So mm-hmm. I've just been using it. But I'm actually really impressed with it because it kind of stays on that's all so day. Good. And yeah. it's super, it's quick, I think, mm-hmm. is the other thing that's really appealing. Um, I've got, everyone thinks this about themselves, of course, but I, my, I haven't really got eyelids. Like yeah, I've no, got strangely shaped eyes, eyes yeah. like your makeup artist was saying. And so I really struggle with putting eyeshadow on because like the it, basically you can't really see it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, this it's seems funny to stick that. in place. No, because I feel like I have the opposite problem. 
So yeah, I really you have I good island like real, real, real estate. And yeah. makeup artists are always like, oh, it's you know so nice that so much space. But personally, I find it really challenging because if I put on a shadow, it's like there. It's there. Yeah. yeah. Like there's, <laughs> there's no mistaking the decision we've made. So personally, I find it really hard so do you think that's why you because when i think of your makeup i think of like lots of natural tones like it's all about like shadow and light Mm -hmm. it's not about like color so much yeah that's i'm loving this analysis yeah i know like tell me more (laughs) that is yeah i'm very like yeah sort of yeah it's all sort of brownie orangey yeah Yeah. kind of pink but like very subtle um but i'm very uh, i can do one thing this is literally all I can do. Yeah. Well, it looks great, <laughs> and then, like, so... on occasion, I'll like add a, a liner or yeah. I'll, like add a lip, and then even yeah. then, I'm a bit like, whoa. whoa. <laughs> um, but it's funny because I used to wear a like a cat eye. Yeah, so did mm. I. Like, and every I thought, day. like, I will never, I could never leave the no. house without it. Yeah. But the only thing for me is brows. Like, yeah, if yeah. I wear You've no makeup, yeah. I've got my brows. Yeah. My brows. As long but, as they're good, yeah. yeah. Isn't that just a societal thing though? Now I think because I feel like yeah, you're just saying about the eyeliner thing years ago. I feel like. 10 years ago even if I had to go to the shops or something I'd definitely put a quick yeah. bit of makeup mm, on me too. whereas mm. now I really don't care no, often I don't. at the weekends I don't wear don't any care, makeup so. at all yeah. if I'm not really doing too much or even if we just go to the pub on a Sunday lunchtime I'll literally just put some lipstick and brow stuff on and that's yeah, it yeah. Yeah. I, think. I think it's probably an age thing yeah. isn't yeah. it yeah, like you just older. get more confident in your own skin and the way yeah. you look and obviously your appearance doesn't change as rapidly as when yeah. you're going through like puberty and stuff so I think yeah I just got to a point where I was like I don't really care if like mm. some bloke in the corner shop thinks like Quite, yeah. god her dark circles are a bit much today <laughs> like <laughs> he's not even thinking it anyway yeah exactly. spoiler alert yeah, <laughs> yeah. maybe yeah, that's it for sure yeah. yeah but yeah I was the same at uni we were in halls and I remember thinking like I can't go down to like get food if I haven't oh, got makeup god, on no. oh god yeah, yeah. same yeah, yeah. definitely now, so funny. don't really care to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. No. But I like the idea of a signature look. I, yeah. say, yeah. I think you have quite a signature look, which mm. is quite mm. like clean girl aesthetic to me. Yeah. Thank you. Is I, that what you'd agree with? Yeah I, yeah, I think I switch up the products I use quite a lot. Mm-hmm. Like often I just wear like concealer and my foundation, I switch it up depending on the weather and stuff. But yeah, I like having a cool look. But I used to wear so much um, eyeshadow. So yeah, I wear palettes, too. I'm like, oh God, they probably need to throw them out now. So yeah. I don't really wear them. Only because like I just can't, be bothered to put it on. It's quite. Yeah. E- it's, it's an effort, effort isn't it's it? It's an effort, yeah. Like, I wonder what my revenge look would be. Yeah, what would your <laughs> oh revenge look yeah, be? That's a good I feel like, though, it, mine would be the no makeup look. Like, no makeup makeup. Yeah, I would yeah. Just, I, yeah. I just want someone to make me look naturally the best yeah. version of you yeah. i feel like i'd yeah. want like patty dubroff or someone to do it she does um margot robbie's makeup yeah. and yes. i've been following the barbie tour like oh, yeah, religiously and i just think every time she comes out like she did sophia richie's wedding mm, makeup yeah, as well that, yeah that looks flawless oh, one of my best friends did my makeup for my wedding because i oh. hate having my makeup done mm-hmm. apart from if i really 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 trust the person. yeah yeah mm-hmm. and i just was like made me look like sophia richie yeah. <laughs> literally, literally that's, that's the brief, brief. Yeah. 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 what was the other story you had for us so the other one was a bit more kind of it was less I suppose frivolous in the sense that it was about quitting so basically this woman called Julia Keller has written a book and it's about her experience of quitting grad school it's called quitting a life strategy because her argument is it was the best decision she ever made but obviously at the time she felt like absolute shit mm. she describes you know making having to make the decision sitting on the bathroom floor crying at the end of my emotional tether cringing with shame i fled to my parents house but then she says you know things have worked out i sort of bumble and she's now a journalist and she said i bumbled my way through journalism through internships through a journalism course and of course um 
she ended up winning a Pulitzer Prize. So it's it's definitely worked out for her. But she is now a massive advocate for sort of trying to erase this idea in society that quitting something that doesn't feel right mm-hmm. isn't something to be mm-hmm. ashamed of. Yeah. And it just, again, it felt like it kind of struck a nerve with me a bit because I think people who watch or listen regularly will know that the job I had before this, I was only in it for less than a mm-hmm. year. Um, and they made me do a very long <laughs> um, notice period. So I'd actually quit sort of quite mm-hmm. quickly into that job. It was with a fairly high profile organization and a lot of my friends and family were like super proud when I got mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. So it felt to quit so quickly felt like I was letting a lot of mm-hmm. those people down, especially my parents who, you know, would go around to all their friends and say, oh, one of our daughters does this. And it was like very quickly, they were like having to tell people like, yeah, she's not doing that anymore. (laughs) Um, And tell them that I was coming here instead. So yeah, it feels very relevant to my own life. But obviously I would say the same thing, which is like, it's definitely worked out for the best. Like, Mm -hmm. um, I don't know how I would have done that job in a pandemic. Yeah, Um, yeah. So yeah, it just, I suppose it feels quite relevant to me, but I wondered if there was anything else in your guys' lives that you had also been through hmm. similar. Sherry? And it doesn't yeah. have to be a job. Yeah, you know, yeah. It can be, she yeah. talks, she talks, she says it's like, it's very often is yeah. a job, but she said it can be, be quitting a toxic relationship, yeah. Yeah. quitting a friendship that no longer works, yeah, yeah. quitting yeah. a house share that has just got out yeah. of hand. You know, it could yeah. be like the smallest thing um, or just quitting a bad habit. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. is there shame around those things sometimes? I mean, I think, well, as you say, I think it's often a good thing. It could lead to something else that you didn't realise was going to happen. It's kind of like Elizabeth Day's How to Fail yeah. uh, ethos. And like, you know, you mm. don't get wins without the failure. Same with like quitting, you don't get good things. What have I quitted? I actually started French at the start of the year. I was like, I'm going to do, a f- I'm going to learn French because my boyfriend is French speaking as his second language. And I was like, oh, it'd be really nice to like go to France. And it's not just you talking. I can mm-hmm. talk as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I did French in school, but just didn't take it seriously. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, why didn't I? So I started um, French with, um, it was called Prep Plates online. I'd actually really recommend it. I've heard it. about that recently. Mm-hmm. It's really good. So it's all online. It's kind of like a Zoom course. You just have like, an, you choose how many hours you do. So I was doing a French class once a week on a Tuesday after work. And a couple of weeks ago, I was just like, I'm not going to quit forever. I'm going to stop it. And I don't regret it because mm. I was like, I'm really tired on a Tuesday after work. I don't have the mental capacity. It's also an expense as well. So for me, at the time, I felt really guilty. Mm. I felt really like sad being like my French teacher. I've only been doing this for a few months, but I, I don't want to carry on for now. I will be back, maybe, but yeah. yeah. So I felt really guilty in myself and like, oh, you know, I only started. I what can I say in French? Not much. But <laughs> now I'm like, I could do it again. Or, yeah, of yeah. course. But I don't regret it because sometimes you need to like, I don't know, my well-being, put my well-being first, and just yeah. have that time to just relax. Yeah. Sometimes when you set yourself a task or like achieving something quite specific and you don't do it it can feel like such a failure but now I'm like it's okay Who, like who's putting this pressure on me to learn a new language yeah. only myself my boyfriend doesn't care so yeah mm. that's my that's my mini quit I, I do think there's a way to sort of quit smartly yeah of course mm. 100%. Um, I would never go around saying like oh if you hate your job just quit like yeah yeah no, there are that's where yeah people, yeah like he put that stuff out and it's like that's obviously a very like privilege situation. Yes. Yeah, it's very like toxic positivity, yeah. isn't it? Sometimes I do think the realities of the world are quite different. Um, but having said that, I was still, it was interesting because it's like I had this offer on the table that I'd accepted here. Mm-hmm. So I was like fully within my rights, as it were, and secure to quit. Like it wasn't a big deal sort of financially. Mm-hmm. And yet I still felt like I couldn't tell any anyone in my personal life that this is what I'd done. And I can remember my mum my came over for a cup of tea. She was like, so how's everything at work? I was like, I've quit. And she's like, 
what? <laughs> and it was it was possibly like the reaction you'd kind of dread. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There wasn't like shouting or screaming because my mum's not like that, but it, you could like feel the disappointment in the air. So she was really unsure about like what I had done. Yeah, and yeah. I think you have to be very like secure in yourself mm-hmm. that you are following your gut yeah, and you know that mm. this is going to have to work yeah. out. You're going to have to work hard at it. I don't know what I would have done if this had been a disaster. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> if this also hadn't worked out and I'd be like, shit, I'm just lurching from like bad job to bad job. But but even mm. that can happen, can't yeah. it? And it can take a while to find the right place for you. So I just don't, I still wouldn't see that as a failure. It just can sometimes take yeah. people mm-hmm. a bit longer. Otherwise people can be stuck in jobs for years that they're not happy they're not in because they feel like that's what they should be doing rather yeah, than what they should be doing for them. And so. I can remember being very anxious about how it would look on my cv mm. and i also had this really good conversation with my dad at the time and he was like basically it's about how you tell the story yeah yeah so the fact that i'd been in the job before that for mm-hmm. like over five years exactly. and now i've been in this one for nearly four mm. it's clear that in the future if there's ever another interview i have to go to it's going to be a story of like yeah i just knew that wasn't the right fit yeah. it wasn't the job they'd really advertised and blah 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 and um sort of having been sandwiched between two long-term jobs there hopefully won't be there that perception of like oh she's fickle and she can't hold anything down I don't, one of my really good friends has got like the best sort of high-powered job ever and honestly she seems to go from job to job like every year to something bigger mm. and better and I always yeah. think about her in those circumstances it's like never held her back at all she's yeah. always yeah. leaping from one great thing to the next so mm-hmm. yeah but I think a lot of the time you just have to kind of trust your gut and like the stuff I think a lot of the stuff that you get anxious about like my example that I'm thinking of in my head is when I was supposed to do the Paris Marathon like four years ago Mm -hmm. or five years ago Mm -hmm. and I had sciatica so like it would have been torture oh yeah Yeah. but I was raising money for a charity and I felt really like bad for the people that had donated for something I wasn't even gonna do whereas in reality they're all like it's great with we're happy to donate anyway. Like, you know, we weren't donating specifically because you were running. Yeah, we were donating because yeah. it's a great charity. But it, all of those different things. And I was so anxious about mm. quitting. Like, obviously I had to. It would have just, it would have been stupid to try and run yeah, it. You'd have had long-term health issues. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But yeah. oh my gosh, the anxiety that came oh, with the decision. Mm. Yeah. And a lot of it was because I was like, oh my God, everyone's going to feel really let down and blah, blah, blah. In reality, like, not no one cares, but like, also no one really cares. Yeah, like, everyone's yeah, got their own yeah, problems. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. so, so true. And you're like, oh my gosh, what if I do this? What will people think? Like. I have to say it to myself a lot because I do mm. it a lot, but like no one cares. Yeah. Stop worrying. <laughs> yeah. Like people aren't living their lives wondering what you're doing and no. worrying yeah. about what you're doing. I yeah. think you have to remember like how many nights do you go to sleep thinking about like someone yeah. else in yeah. your life. And that's not yeah. to say like there aren't people in your life you worry no, about, but, but on the I'm whole, like periphery friends, yeah. especially yeah. like I don't go to sleep worrying about what's happening in their exactly. lives. There's and so the many memes, yeah. aren't there, that are like that one cringe thing that you did 20 years ago. You still <laughs> yeah. think about every day, I promise. No, <laughs> no one, one remembers. Well, no one apart from you remembers exactly. doing that bloody so cringy thing. Like, what I do now. Like when yeah. I first started, yeah. so cringe. Yeah. yeah, So cringe. And all my friends are like, what are you doing? Like me to my 300 followers being like, this is what I'm wearing today. They're like... No one cares. No one I cares. always think... <laughs> here we are. Yeah. I was going to say, someone did care. Yeah. Quite a few people cared. And also, I always think that with influencers, it must be so hard, or you know, yeah, not influencers, but people doing that kind of job, it must be so difficult to start, because you've got to start somewhere. But mm. yeah, you've just got to, I guess, block people out and just do what you want to do, yeah. and eventually everyone else will catch up with how far you are anyway. I had, I mean, talking about things that haven't started of quitting or whatever, I had an idea for a podcast. I'm st- I still want to bring it to life at some point, but the concept was that the people who make it are the people that just do it. 
Yeah. Like the difference, a lot yeah. of the time, the difference between it happening oh, and yeah. not happening is that someone mm-hmm. did it. Yeah. yeah, it's so true. And other so people true. just thought about it. Yeah. So, just well do it. Job. No, yeah. Just do it. <laughs> if, it if it feels right to you, it yeah. normally yeah. is. Yeah. And if it's not right, do something else. And also, you'll figure it out exactly. Yeah. yeah. All of these things are just scary, aren't they? So, mm. you just gotta yeah. take in the plunge. feel the fear and yeah. do it anyway. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Right. We'll quickly do some quick fire questions from our lovely readers. I liked this one. I'm fed up of always organising stuff with friends. How do I drop hints that I'd like others to organise? Just putting it out there, I'm not typically the organiser. <laughs> You're the guilty group. party. Thanks, Chloe. Love you. Uh, <laughs> um, I try and I have. I I want to do stuff and I have all these ideas and I like want to make stuff happen, but I'm not a a doer in that sense Mm. in our friendship group and yeah I am I guess guilty of sometimes just letting other people do all the super organizing so Mm. yeah I should probably take this advice which hopefully you can all give oh that's a that's a hard one honestly I just think just ask them yeah just say like oh if it's if it's with your friends especially be like oh um would you mind planning something? I did that with my sister recently because I'm like, I always will say, let's meet here at this point. Let's let's do this. I'm always the organiser. And I'm like, you know what, Jen? Can you can you just do it this time? And she was like, actually, yeah, sure. And I think it's quite well received if you just ask them in like a, in like a nice way, in a kind way. Um, or like put hints out there, be like, oh, you know, I don't have any ideas. Do you have any ideas of what yeah. we could do if you want to do something different? Um, maybe that's the way around it. Cause yeah. it's quite tricky. Yeah, maybe it's also, maybe it's like one of those things where they think that the person who's doing it loves it. Yeah. Like, I think we, my husband and I host a lot, but honestly, it's because we love hosting. Like, we're like, oh, if we could do something, like, let's do it at our house, because we love doing it. But maybe she needs to say, or they need to say that, you know, maybe it's a cost thing, like, maybe it's costly Mm, to mm. do it, or maybe it's, like, energy consuming. Just say, like, hey, guys, you know, I've just been doing this, I'm actually just a bit, I'm just a bit tired yeah and somebody else like maybe they just need to be said because yeah. everyone else in the group might just think that that person wants that's to a very good point yeah, that's a very i good think you point. can wait as well until you're like at the event like whatever you've organized or ended up organizing and you're there and like everyone's having a drink and it's more relaxed yeah. so you can be like okay guys someone has to do it next yeah. time because this has been <laughs> out soon yeah. yeah and you can kind of play it yeah. off as more of a joke yeah. Yeah. and then it's not so much like you're accusing anyone it's no. more just like i'm mm-hmm. out guys like i've i've tapped out here yeah. yeah um okay so final question then i like this one what's the item in your closet you've had the longest we're always talking about that's a really vintage and like looking after our clothes and buying well but yeah patricia what do you think's the oldest item you've got i'm trying to think i guess when we say oldest we're meaning like the piece we've had the longest rather than vintage item for me it'd probably be something really boring like a pair of jeans i feel like when i find a good good pair of jeans yeah i'm like this is we're in it for life yeah yeah and like weirdly mine is like a pull and bear pair of jeans i was gonna say where from yeah yeah like, no, it's like really expensive yeah. pieces isn't yeah it? somewhere like i don't even really shop often um and i found them i think on asos or something i actually think i found them for a fashion fix Ooh. so i'm saying i have them for a long this this particular one hasn't been that long but it's definitely my jeans that last the longest yeah. mm-hmm. because like i feel like when you find the fit you can't let go you've got that or like a blazer mm-hmm. yeah a good blazer our kit my our kit blazer i will have probably for the next 50 years nice or like keep buying yeah 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 yeah, yeah. harriet how about you shoes bag i think i don't wear it anymore but i think i've talked about this on the podcast before i'm quite sentimental with clothes and i do keep a lot of things even if i don't wear them so i mean we had a huge conversation about prom dresses on this podcast i don't want to revisit because my prom dress is not one i am a fan of so aside from that i think it's probably does anyone remember this there was a leopard 
like faux fur coat from Topshop that Alexa Chung and Kate Moss wore. I do remember. Yeah. Was it in like Kate Moss's collection? For not them. officially, not officially, but I think it might have been the launch pad right. to her, I like eventually remember. having her yeah. collection because it just like back in the day, Topshop pieces just went absolutely oh. me- like viral. And yeah, Alexa Chung and her both had it, and it has like a slightly cropped sleeve. Yes. It's quite short. It's not. A, it's not a jacket. It's a coat. Um, and I like managed to get my hands on one, and it'd probably be a bit small for me now, but. I just, I'll never get yeah, rid of it. Like, it's just coat. such a moment in, like, being, I guess I must have been about 15 and, like, mm. absolutely idolised both of them and still do. And, yeah, it's just, like, something from my childhood or, I like, teenagerhood when yeah. you're, like, first mm. getting into fashion that yeah. you just think, yeah, that was a moment. I can't let that go. Oh, yeah. Yeah, what I'm glad you still kept that. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good one. I, yeah. I really think, like, one one day there'll come a moment where I can crack it out. Of course. Um I probably could now, to be honest, but I think I'm not in a like leopard era. But no, it'll I will return. Be. I will be. As Callum Murray leopard is a neutral. I was literally about to say that. <laughs> <laughs> Sherry, how about you? Um, mine's probably a pair of dungarees I've had since honestly I was about 15. Uh, they were quite baggy, so they, oh, they still fit me now. And they're just so comfy. So, mm. like jeans, they last forever. Yeah. Also, you don't really have to wash them that often. So. Mm. That or, or jewellery, jewellery. Yeah, jewellery. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking jewellery is what it's going to be. Exactly, it'll last a lifetime, hopefully. Yeah. So, what about you, yeah. Heather? So mine, I'm trying to rack my brains a bit, but I think the thing that I still wear today that I've had probably since I was 21, 22, is this massive black furry cardigan I got from a charity shop in Iceland when I visited. And oh. I love it. It looks like it's kind of got, it's so, the sleeves here are so big, big and sort of long. They kind of look like you've got boxing gloves at the end of it. <laughs> It's nicer than it sounds, I promise. But yeah, so I still like get it, even though I haven't worn it for ages, get it like probably dry cleaned every couple of years. It's the one thing that's in a protective bag in my wardrobe. But yeah, oh, can't oh. see me passing with that anytime soon. No, just like so lots funny, of memories actually. attached to it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I'm just thinking one thing actually I do have is a Brandy Melville dress <gasps> that I bought when I was at uni, probably like mm. 18 or 19. It was like sort of like tiered, backless. My friends and I all bought it oh. and I still wear it on every single holiday. Oh, there we go. There go. It's like now it's honestly like almost see through. <laughs> but it's just like the perfect like by the pool dress. Yeah. Amazing. That sounds mm-hmm. like a, a true investment. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Pretty penny. <laughs> Amazing. Well, I think that's all we've got time for. Thanks so much, girls. And yeah, thanks for watching and listening. If you've got any questions, please do email us at podcast at Sherlock's. We love hearing from you and don't forget to rate, review, subscribe and tell your friends and we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 